For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the Levitical Priesthood. This is part two of the series. So Joseph, through his sons Ephraim and Manasseh, was given the birthright blessing of the office of the Melchizedek priesthood. Judah then was given the kingship blessing or office of the Melchizedek priesthood. We can see this from Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, which is a term for the Messiah. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan even to Beersheba. Next, we're going to see that following the sin of the golden calf, the Levites are going to become priests of the tabernacle of Moses. From Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 4, 8, where it says, Take the Levites, Numbers chapter 3, verse 45. When Moses had sacrifices offered at Mount Sinai, it was the firstborn of the various families who offered them, as it says, and he sent the young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings. Exodus chapter 24, verse 5. What is the meaning of the phrase, the young men? It was the youth among the firstborn who offered burnt offerings. From here, you learn that no man offered sacrifices up until this time except the firstborn. Now, when Israel committed the sin of the worship of the golden calf, they said, let the firstborn come and offer sacrifices to it, as it says. And they rose up early on the morrow and they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. This is Exodus chapter 32 in verse 6. And then because the firstborn were the leaders of the families and they participated in the worship and the sin of the golden calf. The God of Israel is going to give commandment that the Levites, because they stood against, they opposed the worship of the golden calf, they are going to be rewarded 
with the priesthood of the tabernacle of Moses. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 25 and 26, it is written, When Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And so... As a result, the firstborn of all Israel lose being able to do the sacrificial office. They lose the priesthood because of sexual sin, just like Reuben lost his opportunity to be a Melchizedek priest after his father Jacob because of his sexual sin. So Midrash Rabbah numbers 6-2, where it says, take the sum of, quoting from Numbers chapter 4, verse 22, they, that is the firstborn, would have been worthy of assuming the priestly office and the duties of the Levites if they had not sinned in connection with the incident of the golden calf. For originally, the firstborn offered sacrifices, and it says, and he sent the young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings. Exodus chapter 24, verse 5. Who caused the firstborn to forfeit all this glory? The cause was their having exalted themselves and worshipped the golden calf. Thus we find that the firstborn Israelites fell from their greatness, that's being able to function in a priestly role as a result of the worship of the golden calf. Now, from the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf and the firstborn participating in it, the God of Israel is then going to say that the Levites are going to do the functions in the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness instead of the firstborn. We're in Numbers. In chapter 3, verse 45, it says, Take the Levites. The commentary from Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 4, 8 says, God said to them, I have given promotion to the firstborn, having made them great in the world, and they have renounced me and have risen and offered sacrifices before the calf. Behold, I will dismiss the firstborn and enroll the sons of Levi. Therefore, the Holy One, blessed be he, told Moses to number them, as it says, number the children of Levi. Numbers chapter 3 and verse 15. So we're going to see how the Levites became the priests of the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness, and then ultimately the temple of Solomon where it says, take the Levites from Numbers chapter 3, verse 45. The commentary in Midrash Rabbah, Numbers 4, 8 says, said, Rabbi Judah, the Levite, who suggested to you that God dismissed the firstborn from the sacrificial duties and enrolled the sons of Levi? Because it says, take the Levites instead of whom? So we see the scripture, Numbers chapter 3, verse 45, where it says, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel, in the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle, and the Levites shall be mine, I am the Lord. Then in Numbers chapter 8, verse 18, it is written, I have taken the Levites for all the firstborn of the children of Israel. Next, we're going to see that the 
Levitical priesthood was the functioning priesthood over the nation of Israel from the sin of the golden calf and from following the sin of the golden calf where the God of Israel says, I want the Levites to be my priests instead of the firstborn, that the Levites functioned in the priesthood office over the nation of Israel until Yeshua came and shed his blood and brought in the new covenant. And given that Yeshua is an eternal Melchizedek priest, the priesthood that governs the new covenant with Yeshua being the head is the Melchizedek priesthood. So we see this is the understanding behind Hebrews chapter 7 verse 12, where it says, for the priesthood being changed. And actually, if you look up this in the Greek, it says transferred or exchanged, the priesthood being exchanged or transferred, that this came about with the new covenant. And so given that when Yeshua returns and sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, that he's going to teach the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3. And we're told in Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12, that the one who is the branch, that's the Messiah, he's going to build the temple and he'll be a king and a priest over that temple that Yeshua, he is going to build Ezekiel's temple once he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. And the one that's going to be ministering in Ezekiel's temple is going to be the Levites and Yeshua's Melchizedek priesthood. That is going to be the highest or the higher authority over his kingdom, over the new covenant, with the Levitical priesthood functioning under the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood and the Levitical priesthood doing their duties in the temple of the Messianic era, even as they were given the duty to minister in the services in the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness. And so then, once again, we can see that the Levites were given the priesthood instead of the firstborn from Numbers chapter 3, verse 45, and Numbers chapter 8 and verse 18. So in Galatians chapter 3, verses 16 and 19, we're going to see that what Paul was referring to here was that the Levites were given the priesthood of the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness from the sin of the golden calf. And so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He doesn't say seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Messiah. So Paul here is making a reference back to Genesis in chapter 17 and verse 7, where it says there, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and to your seed after you. So Paul makes a point that in the verse, it doesn't say seeds, but seed to your seed, which is Messiah, that it was Yeshua who made covenant with Abraham. And then if you just casually read what Paul wrote 
in Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 where he says wherefore then serves the law and from what we're taught in traditional Sunday Christian churches given that the way that we're taught to understand our Bible is old in New Testament and given that we're taught that the way that we're supposed to understand our Bible is the Old Testament is the age of law and the New Testament is the age of grace and this is called dispensationalism and the way that the Bible is most commonly taught in Sunday churches is that the Bible is divided up into different dispensations of time. And so as they explain the dispensations of time, they say that there was a a time where we have the Abrahamic covenant, but then follow the Abrahamic covenant, we have the Mosaic covenant, and these are regarded as two separate and distinct things. So we're given the impression that the Torah was first given at Mount Sinai, and because it was given through Moses, it's now called the Mosaic Covenant. And so with this background, we read into this understanding of the Bible that is taught in traditional Protestant Sunday churches in particular, when we read Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, wherefore then serves the law? And so we would casually read this and say, well, the promise that was made with Abraham in contrast to the law that was given at Mount Sinai. Well, first of all, to have that thought process when reading the verse is erroneous because we're told in Genesis in chapter 26 and verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and he kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So we're told that Abraham kept the Torah. If the Torah was first given at Mount Sinai, how is it that it says in Genesis chapter 26, verse 5, that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws? Well, if we go back to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19, where Paul asks the question, wherefore serves the law? And he answers it by saying it. Now, it in context would refer back to the law. So it, meaning the law, was added because of transgression. Now think about that. Is it possible that the law, if you associate the law being what was given at Mount Sinai to the nation of Israel through Moses, if we think of that being when the law or the Torah was first given and introduced to the people of the God of Israel, How does it make sense then if we would read it as the law was added because of transgression when the definition of sin in 1 John in chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, whosoever commits sin transgresses the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. So in order to sin, There has to be a law in order that you can transgress so you would qualify as being a sinner. And Paul says at the end of Romans in chapter 4, verse 15, where there is no law, there is no transgression. A law must exist in order for you to violate the law. And then in Romans 
in chapter 5 and verse 13, at the end of the verse, Paul writes, sin is not imputed or counted against you. Sin is not counted against you when there is no law. So there must be a law in order for you to transgress the law. So if we would read Galatians chapter 3 verse 19, that the law at Mount Sinai came about because of transgressions, that can't be because you can't have a transgression until you first have a law. So if we're going to say that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and according to 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of the law, then the law had to existed in the garden in order for Adam and Eve to sin or transgress that law. So the word law in Hebrew is Torah. It means the teaching or the instruction of God. So did the God of Israel give Adam and Eve instructions in the garden? Yes. Did they violate those instructions? Yes. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was an instruction. Well, they violated the instruction. The instruction was the Torah, the law. They violated the instruction. They sinned and they got kicked out of the garden. So the Torah, which is the word of God, has always existed because God has always existed and his word, therefore, has always existed. So how do we understand Galatians chapter 3 verse 19? What got added because of what sin? Well, the answer is the Levitical priesthood came into being and the Levites were given the duty and the role and the position and the task of being priests of the tabernacle because of the transgression, the sin of building the golden calf and worshiping the golden calf. So Paul is explaining that we have then the Levitical priesthood until the seed should come to whom the promise was made because when Messiah comes, he's going to bring in the new covenant and in bringing in the new covenant, the priesthood of the new covenant is going to be the Melchizedek priesthood of which Yeshua is the Melchizedek priest of the priesthood of the new covenant. And I want to emphasize and make clear that even though we have the Melchizedek priesthood being the priesthood that governs the new covenant, that the Melchizedek priesthood of the new covenant does not do away with the Levitical priesthood because the Levitical priesthood is a priesthood and they have duties associated with the tabernacle in the wilderness and thus the temple. And when Yeshua returns, when he sets up his kingdom, he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, teaching the Torah to all nations from the temple in Jerusalem. And that temple will be Ezekiel's temple And we see in Ezekiel chapters 44 and 45 that Levites will minister in Ezekiel's temple. So we can see how the Levites was given the priesthood from Joshua chapter 18 verse 7. The Levites have no part among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. So let's begin to see the role of the Levites regarding the tabernacle that was built in the wilderness. First of all, we need to see that Aaron, who is a Levite, that Aaron and his sons were to serve in the priest's office. They were to be high priests. 
And so we see this in Exodus chapter 28 in verse 1. And you shall take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Arab, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, Aaron's sons. So Aaron and his sons were Kohens. They were, and they would have the office of high priest in the Levites who were not Aaron's sons, they would have duties to perform within the tabernacle itself, but it was only Aaron and his sons who could be high priests in the tabernacle. So Aaron and his sons mostly serve in the holy place. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, they could go into the Holy of Holies. In Exodus chapter 27, verse 21, it says, in the tabernacle of the congregation outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever under their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. The high priest only went into the Holy of Holies once a year, and that was on the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron your brother, that he come not at all times unto the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. And next, we're going to see how the high priest only went into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur from Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 and 30, as it is written. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, that's the day of atonement, you shall afflict your souls. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Now Aaron and his sons wore special priestly garments. We see this from Exodus chapter 28, verse 4, as it is written. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe an embroidered coat, a mitre, a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So we see that the Levites are an offering unto the God of Israel. In Numbers chapter 8, verse 13, it is written, And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offer them for an offering unto the Lord. So the Levites are an offering unto the God of Israel, and the Levites are to be cleansed. Numbers chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them, and thus you shall do unto them to cleanse them sprinkle water of purifying upon them and let them shave all their flesh and let them wash their clothes and so make themselves clean. The Levites were to be ministers of the tabernacle. In Numbers chapter 1 verse 15 it says, you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony and over all the vessels thereof and over all the things that belong to it. They shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof and they shall minister unto it and shall in camp round about the tabernacle. So the general service of the tabernacle was the duties of the Levites, but it was only Aaron and his sons 
ones who could be the high priests of the tabernacle and only Aaron and his sons could go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. We can further see how the Levites were ministers of the tabernacle, its duties and its services. Numbers chapter 3. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the Levitical priesthood. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.